passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the... WrestleMania Backlash post show. I'm John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing great. I heard you got your uh, vaccine. Um, yes, I did get my vaccine a couple of days ago, so I am um, halfway there. How you feel? Uh, yeah. Identical. I had no, I had no issues with it at all. Not, not anything really. So I can't say I felt felt a thing. Yeah, I, 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 I hear like more and more people are getting it right now in our city. Braden got his today, so oh, that's good. Uh, we're that much closer to some form of um, post wrestling meetup, I guess. Yes, yes, we're all getting our shots so that we can see each other once again. So that's uh, that's wonderful. So yeah, there you go. It's uh, it, it's speeding up. It seems like in in the city. It seems like it was mm. it was a rather slow rollout, but it, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Yes, yes. Well, how's your weekend been? It's been good. Yeah, good. I, you know, I, I, w- I went for a run, actually, today, because the weather was so nice. And uh, it was pleasant. It wasn't as bad as I expected. It was kind of weird using, like, those muscles for the first time in a year, because I don't think I've actively, like, gone for a run, like, since last year. So I'll probably feel it tomorrow. Well, that's good. It's good to have that that feeling after kind of reminding your body it can move in in certain ways. It's like a good kind of pain to have. Yeah, yeah, I think so. How about you? Uh, I did not go running today, but I was uh, I was out. It was very nice out today in, in Toronto. Very gorgeous day out. So I spent a lot of it outside. There's only good news actually today. This is very unusual. We're usually uh, quite doom and gloom when when it comes to our our daily lives when we venture outside yeah no i have, I have no complaints i know no, no issues no sandals breaking for nothing, you no nothing breaking at all i was uh out and about in the street and everything went according to plan so i, I don't have any complaints i have nothing i have nothing bad to say we say the complaining for this show perhaps yes we, we will get to that as well um let's get right into it tonight was wrestlemania Dot, dot, dot. It was a huge night for the company on Peacock. Everything had been centered around this night at the Thunderdome. Championship matches. Long rivalries coming to a close. So if WrestleMania is the granddaddy of them all, is this the great this is, granddaddy? This is the weird all? uncle. This is the weird uncle that says, hey, I've got a great idea for a promotional tie-in. This is the guy who claims to be your long lost biological father, um, who has really no claim and is just some crazy dude off the street. Yeah, it's uh, the guy that just looks up your area code and cold calls you in the middle of the night, claiming to yes. be a family. This is the the family member that you get the 
the random email from saying, I'm in this part of the world, please send money. We're related. Yeah. Look, we have the same, like, I I have the name in my, I'm called WrestleMania. Of course I'm, I'm family. Well, WrestleMania dot 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 uh, began with the kickoff show. Uh, we had Caleb Braxton, Booker T, JBL, and Peter Rosenberg. Um, the key parts of the kickoff show, if you can call them that, was Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode attacking Dominic Mysterio backstage, which, I mean, anyone can do a backstage attack, but they did introduce a couch as a weapon. Sure, yeah. Why this not? was just a random couch laying around that still had like the wrap around it. So mm-hmm. it was like brand new. It felt like it was right off the right off the truck. And they took this couch that was just sitting there minding its own business and they tipped the couch on top of Dominic. You ever had that happen to you? It's probably not pleasant. Someone tip a couch mm-hmm. on top of me? I like yes, it would it would hurt somewhat. But of the available weapons you would have backstage at an arena, a couch would be very high on the list of, like, cushions landing on you. Like, if I'm going to have something dumped on top of me, I'll take the couch. Like, I'd rather that than a giant desk. I'm willing to bet the couch might hurt more than, you know, like a table. Going through a table. You know? It's heavy. It is heavy. But there is some give there. Oh, I don't, unless, I don't think you speak from experience, and therefore, I think you're really kind of belittling and minimizing the pain of this couch spot. Well, clearly, it wasn't too bad, because he was able to recover from this. We also got Ric Flair's Car Shield ads, which have made their way onto WWE programming, complete with Dave Marquez. Yes, yes, he was all over the show. Yeah, they were one of the title sponsors. Yes, not not big enough that we would have like some involvement of these two in any matches because that that is the grand tier of sponsorships. Sheamus then came out for an open challenge where the United States Championship would not be on the line. This was answered by Ricochet, who it's okay that it's not a title match. I sh- I've already won. I'm here at WrestleMania. Yes. Backlash. Yeah, the main eventer, Ricochet, at WrestleMania. Backlash. So Sheamus and Ricochet had a match. Uh, Ricochet came out, and because this was an impromptu match, he was not in his gear. He was in jeans and a hoodie. Mm-hmm, yeah, impressive. Skinny jeans. What was, he, what was he doing here tonight? Just visiting? Free meal, are you kidding me? He knows his catering pretty well by now, I would think. So Sheamus beat him down. He uh, Ricochet fought back, and then uh, Sheamus got staggered with this leaping kick, and Ricochet got a sequence here, including a quebrada. Sheamus is selling the ribs and then takes a backstabber, and Ricochet hits a springboard 450. Sheamus kicks out, then goes to the top, setting up for the 630, but Sheamus rolls out of the way. Ricochet sidesteps the brogue kick, gets a roll-up for a two-count, and then Sheamus is up and drills him with a knee and pins him. With the knee strike in 7 minutes and 11 seconds. So Sheamus fails in the non-title match. And Ricochet back. Sorry. Ricochet fails. Yeah, yeah, Ricochet fails. But he did get the moral victory after by stealing Sheamus's jacket and hat 
as Corey Graves got to make a Jake Paul Floyd Mayweather Jr. reference to their hat angle uh, earlier this week. And pretty much like the exact same post-match we got with Shinsuke Nakamura and King Corbin on Friday. This is modern storytelling, John. You steal your opponent's clothes after taking a clean loss, and somehow you earn a rematch out of it. Ricochet knows this, so he lost the match here, um, but stole the man's clothes and then, you know, dabbed, and uh, he's on his way to getting a rematch. He knows what's going on. He knows how to get to the top here in this company. There's a lesson to be learned here. I mean, I think maybe, maybe last night had Michael Chandler just gone and taken Charles Oliveira's uh, fight kit or something. Who cares if you didn't win the lightweight title? I think the key is to come out with no clothes, or at least as few clothes as possible. Therefore, your opponent can't steal your hat, <laughs> and therefore, match feud ends, right? R- Ricochet um, also, he did give all this back and then ran in fear of his life from Sheamus. So there <laughs> there was that as well. It, it, it is kind of weird how like these angles... I liked the Nakamura crown-stealing angle, because it's Nakamura with the crown, but I mean... Um, this was whatever. Like it, I, I don't know how much effort, to be quite honest with you, that they're putting behind this story. Who knows if Ricochet was even supposed to figure into this with Carrillo's injury and everything. But the match itself was good. You know, it's been a while since we had seen Ricochet, and I almost forgot how good this guy was. He had time here to have a decent match with with Sheamus. Um, I can't tell you that I'm that excited about the rematch though, because I thought all the dancing stuff at the end was. About as corny as you would expect. I did, however, watch this on the YouTube. So there's there's like a live chat that's going on. And people were laughing. They seemed to have a great time. I could only imagine that um, they were people with like pretty bad taste. But there are people that watch the show with really bad taste. And if it works for them, then great. Oh, there there is an audience that has absolutely no standards that will accept anything. Like you could literally go on this program and throw feces at the camera and they would say, wow, that's never been done before. It's the first time we've ever seen something like that happen. Like there is that subset of fans that exist. So, uh, yes, we opened up the pay-per-view proper with a video package mixed. First, it was narrated by Dave Batista, mixed with clips of Army of the Dead, which is premiering on Netflix. This was pretty much the the equivalent of a not suitable for work warning as WWE was giving us of what was to come. I thought this would be the extent of this, you know, collaboration. Um, No way. No, it was not. Uh, You know, I do have to say it was a really pleasant surprise hearing Batista's voice doing the narration here. He's got a great voice and it's not something I ever considered while he was an active wrestler. You know, he definitely developed like a great promo ability towards the end of his run. But at no point did I like see Batista and think, that guy should do do voiceovers, um, but he's Give got me that. what I want. <laughs> yeah, he's come a long way. Yes, he has. He was great. Yeah, it was a nice voiceover and promising. Uh, you never know who's going to show up. <laughs> well, what true. a bait and switch that was. Yeah. And then Adnan Verk welcomed us to the first non WrestleMania pay per view to have WrestleMania in its title. <laughs> I think we have made simpler <laughs> joking slogans for a pay-per-view than what Adnan Burke assigned backlash. We've accomplished it, everybody. We've uh, looked at this great achievement we've arrived at. Finally, after all these years 
of waiting and waiting. We have the first non-WrestleMania pay-per-view to be named WrestleMania. Listen, we'll get to it later with the, with the segment, but <laughs> Adnan Verk, like, he, I think, is very much <laughs> having fun with all of, like, this zombie stuff, like, he was, like, just having a ball on, on Twitter, like, with, with all of these jokes and stuff. It would not surprise me that at some point we get, welcome to name your pay-per-view TLC tonight, three hours of contractually obligated content on Peacock. You think he would have the ability to just go off and, and no. do that? No, I'm kidding. I don't think so either. On Twitter, though, maybe. Well, we open the show with Rhea Ripley, Asuka, and Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's Championship, and... They they worked this like a lot of three ways where each took their turn selling on the floor. So we got all the different pairings together. And Asuka uh, ends up attacking both women with kicks and hits a sliding knee on Charlotte. Flair then recovers and with both on the floor, hits a moonsault to the floor um, that came into some contact with them. This was largely like a backflip onto her feet on the floor, which still looked impressive. Yeah, that that's the Charlotte... You know, moonsault plancha. It's more like the gust of wind sends everybody falling. Yeah. Inside, uh, Ripley and Asuka hit a double superplex onto Charlotte. Charlotte then came back and hit both with chop blocks and a double natural selection and tried to pin both simultaneously, uh, which they both kicked out of together. Flair then is hit with a code breaker. Asuka blocks the riptide, and we're just going through each one, going for their big spots, uh, Flair rolled away from the Oscar lock. Figure four gets blocked. And then Oscar, Oscar runs into a boot from Charlotte on the apron. And from the boot shot, it sends her into Rhea, who hits the riptide. And Ripley pins Oscar. And I'm watching this, and they're going in tight on the two of them. Charlotte has just hit this boot from the apron. But then after the three count, she has somehow found her way onto the floor and could not break up this cover. Well, Did you notice this? She was tired. You know, it was like the she end hit of the, match. the kick and was sitting, standing there on the edge. And then the three count was like the riptide was hit. The three count was hit. And she, I don't know if the, it was just like some. Maybe it was, was too far, you know, for her. But she, we don't she, know. She took herself further away from the pinfall. It was, the, it was the momentum off of the kick delivered to Asuka that sprung her back to the outside. Well, in. Anyway, 15 minutes, 22 seconds. Uh, I actually thought that this was like a fine three-way match. I enjoyed this more than I did Ripley and Asuka last month at WrestleMania. I think Charlotte did add to this match. Um, Fine opener. I'm not going to go crazy about it, but I I thought it was a good match. I really liked the match. Uh, The pace I thought was really fast and very entertaining throughout the entire thing. I think all three actually have great chemistry with each other and... You know, it didn't feel like just a match where two people took part in the middle while the other just slept on the floor. I thought they were pretty consistent with their sequences involving all three that were logically designed. And I think in many cases, very creative. Um, I thought, you know, Rhea, we've seen a little bit of sloppiness between her and Asuka in recent weeks, but I didn't feel like you saw any of that here. Um, I thought everything This was, was the best I thought those two gelled because I, I have not seen like those two had that terrible television match a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this to me, they gelled much better. And, and I think Charlotte greatly enhanced this match too, with her involvement. You know, in this pay-per-view, I think, um, really showcase 
a great sampling of WWE's, you know, one of their signature matches, and that is the triple threat. You had two versions of them on this show, and uh, I thought both of them very good, and starting with this one. This is the Rhea's first title defense. I understand that they're going to, you know, um, they're taking her seriously, obviously. You know, they, they gave her the, the, the belt win at WrestleMania, but... I really now hope that they have a chance to fully define her character because I think even a win like this is pretty meaningless as long as Rhea Ripley continues to exist in this like odd, ambiguous, is she a heel, is she a babyface kind of state, you know? Um, and, and also watching back these like the promo packages at the beginning of these matches, usually they clean these up so well that everybody comes across pretty well. But it, instead, I just felt like these video, video packages highlighted how stiff Rhea Ripley's delivery has been as she's trying to deliver these types of scripted promos so it's I think a combination of her herself not knowing what her character is supposed to be coupled with like maybe bad dialogue maybe in just her lack of comfort being in this kind of different system from NXT that I really hope they get to work on after this yeah and afterwards it was very evident that they're going in the direction of ripley and charlotte in a singles program you had charlotte point to ripley and the title she was the one that did not take the fall so i think that's where we go and yeah i think you need to really make a um give some depth to rhea ripley which would be pretty much anything at this point yeah the Miz and John Morrison are in the back talking about this lumberjack match, and Miz blames Morrison for losing on Monday to Damian Priest, setting up this whole mess. And Morrison is going to persuade the whole locker room to help out the Miz so that they can fall for our thirst trap. And Miz asks Morrison if he knows what a thirst trap actually is. Yes. And what is it, John? Uh, a thirst trap? Uh, yeah. why, don't you, why don't you Google it? It's okay. Maybe that's going to be Morrison's gimmick now. That should be his finisher. The thirst trap? Yeah. Just pulls out his phone and goes through like his catalog that he's got there. Oh, is that what that is? That's what you could go, you could go through. There's a recap of Ziggler and Rude's attack on Dominic from the pre-show. The trainer says he can't wrestle tonight. Dominic wants to go anyway, but Ray just won't allow it. He says, son, I've got this. So Ray comes out for the match all by himself to take on Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Ray Mysterio doesn't have one friend in the locker room. This is one of the nicest men in professional wrestling. A legend to some of these people. You're telling me that Ricochet wouldn't want to do double duty? You're telling me no one in the locker room would offer their services to Ray Mysterio given this this disadvantage? I don't know. COVID, COVID protocols. Who knows like how many people they allow back there just hanging out? Yeah, tested and everything. Yeah, there were no extras on this show at all. So yeah, it's very he tough. Could to have do. asked a zombie. It's true. He wasn't thinking, was he? So it's two on one for the first uh, half of the match, and they're beating down on Rey Mysterio. I I think Rude and Ziggler are a tremendous tag team. I thought they're, they're, they they've yeah. shined for a long time together, but I don't think they really get that that credit. Uh, you know, Bobby Rude just turned forty five. Fantastic. Uh, I just think both of them, just their their tag team chemistry, their double team maneuvers, like everything is crisp. It's solid. I really enjoyed like the handicap portion of this, uh, even before Dominic got involved. Like they're they're a very, very well equipped tag team in a company that doesn't really specialize in that many tag teams. They're very fundamentally sound. 
um, solid tag team with characters that I think are painfully stale and absolutely completely generic. Um, but the company, I suppose, needs bodies like that. You know, if this was maybe a company that really valued that sort of fundamental worker, um, there might be more effort put into story for for these two. But I, I really just kind of think they're like the mechanics at the moment who you kind of slot into any sort of feud that might require them. So I can't really say I have a whole lot of interest anytime that they announce a dirty dogs match. But when, when in the body of a match itself, especially on a pay-per-view, you can expect some really solid work. So... Part of the enjoyment of this match for me was Rey Mysterio turning the ring into a water slide because he came up with every incarnation of that slide to the floor and what he could do with this. We saw him slide through Rude's legs, through the apron, onto Ziggler on the floor, landing a splash. Then, when the heels had the heat, they slid Rey off the apron into a super kick from Ziggler. Looked great. Looked fantastic. And this is what I mean when I say, like, you know, the characters are very stale. But can you imagine if, like, they had a name for that spot? If that was a regular spot? If, like, even that assisted finisher that they do. Like, can you even name a double-team finisher that Rude and Ziggler actually have? Like, do they have something? You can't, right? There's no name for it. Meanwhile, like, 3D, like, much of that gimmick was just based off of their fucking finisher. They got over just based off that move. Why could we have put the same effort into the Dirty Dogs by this point, this far into their run? But absolutely, this was cool. And did you notice that Dolph slapped his leg? He's like, fuck that, son. I'm slapping my leg. If there's one instance on this show of totally making this industry, this company, look like a complete joke, <laughs> slapping the leg. It just exposes this industry. It took the industry back 15, 30 years. So yeah, slapping the leg. I mean, the whole the whole industry just shaking their head in shame. So Ray kicks out of a zigzag, and then Ray is fighting back. He hits a bulldog off the off the turnbuckle. When Dominic has shown up, he's holding his ribs. He wants to be tagged in, and Ray's hesitating. He doesn't think he should tag in his son who's injured. He crawls to the corner, and then Dominic. The tag is made, and Ray does stretch his hand out, but you clearly heard Pat McAfee say, Dominic made that tag on his own, which tells me that was definitely someone in his ear instructing him of that, because visually, it just looked like Ray went and decided to tag in Dominic. I think, so, you know, the moment I thought actually was built up really well of, like, Ray Mysterio now having to choose between whether or not he should continue to suffer or risk his son, putting his son in danger by tagging him into this match. I felt like all of that was built really well. And I think ultimately you had Ray, you know, decide, okay, I really have no choice. I have to go back, but still be somewhat reluctant. So it's not like he's like, you know, enthusiastic about tagging. It was more like, oh, okay, I guess I have to be here now. And I think that's what maybe the announcers wanted to emphasize as well. It's like not Ray being a heartless person, tagging his injured son into this match, but Dominic being insistent that he tag himself in. Dom, I'm out. You you take over. Yeah. So they beat down on Dominic. He's sent into the post, but then he surprises Ziggler with a super kick. Ray and Rude get tagged back in, and Ray sends Rude into the corner. He hits a 619, and then Ray again slides off the apron into a sunset flip. It looked like these two were going to kill each other, but did finish the sunset flip, sending Ziggler into the barricade. And then Dominic climbs to the top and hits the frog splash, pinning Bobby Roode 
in 17 minutes as father and son become tag team champions. I I thought the match was really well put together. You had a great story here. I could have gone without the frog splash, given that was the whole focus of Dominic's injury. That's true. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But they clearly wanted that to because in the commentary they tied it into Eddie Guerrero and his real winning father. with the winning with the frog splash. Yes. Yeah. In in so Canada, yeah, got, Eddie, we, we got to put an asterisk on this win because did he really win with his father? Not really. It's it's a very weird uh, canon that Eddie is now like the proud hero of Dominic when in television, like if in the storyline. He was this heinous figure. <laughs> you mean what in the in this match, Ray? In, in oh, the, Eddie and no, Eddie in the storyline. Like <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. it ended. Was like this <laughs> totally this yeah. horrible villain that was trying to steal a boy away from his family, and now it's like, oh, Dominic must be so proud with Eddie watching over. Ah, oh, that was just Uncle Eddie doing Uncle Eddie things. Oh, that was know? Eddie, crazy Uncle Eddie. <laughs> so they win yeah. the tag titles and. They would be absolutely crazy not to have these two defend them next month when the pay-per-view is on Father's Day. Oh, interesting. Okay. Absolutely. That's that is perfect. I thought this was a really good match, you know. The, like the the story of the uh, the babyface getting injured and then coming out into the middle of the ring at this point it is so cliched that it almost kind of makes you groan, but I thought it absolutely worked here, especially in the context of like the father and son relationship. I really thought like they again, they built up the 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 dynamic of like Ray questioning whether or not he should tag his injured son in i thought that was really well done it certainly seems to be like the most story that ray and dominic have had since the rollins program um and i i have to say like i thought by the end this was successful because i went into this match not giving a shit about who won not giving a shit about whether or not ray and dominic won but by the end i felt like the win felt important and now i wait to see what heel tag team will absolutely destroy them well, we'll get the rematch with Ziggler and Rude, probably several of them. And then I guess you you have the Usos waiting in the wings at some point um, if you're ready to go to that story. But that that might be a while. It might be a while. I mean, especially considering how like we don't know whether or not they'll be heels or baby faces. Certainly, I think you're going to get some reunion because Jimmy is just like talking about the tag team titles a little too much to not get that program eventually. But um, uh, yeah, I wonder what sort, sort of the heel face dynamic would be there. They were interviewed in the ring. Ray is on top of the world as tag champions with his son. Backstage, John Morrison walks up to a locker room that reads Lumberjacks. He opens the door, and it's a room full of zombies. Yes, zombies. This is where we entered this portion of the show. Yeah, when did they announce? This was Monday, right? Like we, we joked, like because Damian Priest specifically mentioned in his promo, he's like, "I don't care if it's aliens or zombies." Um, Obviously, by design to yeah give people a subtle heads up of what was to come. Yes, we were going to get zombie lumberjacks. I mean, we were joking on Monday. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, they're gonna go back to ECW and sci-fi and bring in some zombies. <laughs> they didn't just bring one zombie; they brought. A lot. They brought a football team of them, yes. So it's <laughs> first, it's J- Jimmy Uso walks into Roman Reigns' office and he meets with Jay. And Jimmy says they could get their own dressing room with their names on the door instead of Jay having to carry Roman's bags. Reigns appears and Jimmy just wishes him good luck and takes off. 
Morrison is trying to explain these zombies to the Miz, and they show a tweet from Dave Bautista earlier explaining he could not attend tonight, but some of my friends will. And thus, we go to the Lumberjack match. The arena fills up with smoke as these zombies surround the ring. <laughs> the commentators, including former ESPN host Adnan Verk, run for cover and go to call this match from a, quote, safer place away from the zombies. And this match begins. Take it away. I don't even know what was going on here. This was just utter stupidity at its finest. Priest hit a spinning heel kick off the top. Why you would do such a maneuver in this just complete throwaway segment. I guess let's just pause right there. Because, like... Damien Priest asked for this match. Do we know if he had any part in selecting the zombies? I'm assuming not, because why would he do this to himself? Why would Damien Priest work so hard to win the, the right to earn a stipulation and then decide, I'm going to fill the ring with the undead, <laughs> who are very like, most, just as likely to, you know, eat me alive as my opponent. So I can't imagine he had any say here. This must have been a Sonya Deville decision, I think. Actually, uh, Sonya Deville and Adam Pierce made it made a joke about this uh, on Twitter. Oh, what did the, they say? With each blaming the other. Sonya Deville <laughs> uh, said that this. Uh, she said something about this, like being Pierce's idea, and then <laughs> Pierce had some like comeback, like of course it was, or something like that. So anyway, <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I thought Damien Priest just felt like such a goof during this segment. Um, you know, last month they were surrounded by bunnies. This one, this month it was zombies. Priest and Miz work together to attack the zombies. I can't fucking believe this. They're fighting off the zombies together. Then Miz goes for a high five and he's hit with a broken arrow. Morrison hits an enziguri from the apron, setting up a near fall. And then two zombies take John Morrison behind the guardrail. So presumably he's dead. Priest hits the lights for the victory in six minutes and 54 seconds. And then the zombies all devoured the Miz. This was unquestionably one of the, the stupidest segments in wrestling history. I'm going to add to the fact that it means nothing. It doesn't change anything about this company. It doesn't torpedo this company. It's more so just an indication that they can do this stupid shit. It really doesn't matter. We can like call it out for being utter stupidity, but it is what it is. Well, they made money off of this. They did. You know, they this did. This was, was this was actually a money making yeah. segment for them. You know, earlier trash. Ash. absolute trash. You know, earlier I questioned the taste of uh, some some of the YouTube viewers when you know they did the ricochet dancing thing, and I'm gonna have to question my own taste because I thought this was fucking hilarious. I had so much fun watching this. It got to the point of being so ridiculous that I just I thought to be I thought it was pretty ballsy and daring to be just be like, hey, we got to do this co promotion thing with this zombie movie. Well, okay, yeah. Do you want to see a logo in there? Nah, let's have a match full of zombies. 
as if they like they know this audience is going to turn on this shit. They know podcasters and like reporters who try to take this sport seriously are going to absolutely hate it. Message boards are going to shit all over it. And yet they still decide to do it after all the complaints about The Fiend, about all this other stuff. Um, and for that, I'm like, wow, good on you, man. Like, you guys really don't give a shit. That's kind of ballsy. That's kind of badass. I just couldn't stop laughing at this whole thing. And I just, in the end, it was like, I don't take this shit that seriously. You know, it's just like, it's a fucking wrestling match with zombies. And I thought it was kind of funny. Not in like a cheesy horror movie. I I didn't find any of it funny. Like, I just thought it was, okay, it's, um, it's a well-lit scene. With people playing zombies, like I, I didn't. That's find- hilarious in a wrestling. Like it was, it was so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I. It's not going to be for everybody, and it's not even for me. But like, I find some sick enjoyment out of it. Uh, well, that was that segment. So, um, yeah, Damian Priest is a superstar. After this, it's a, a launching <laughs> yeah. pad for the man. You know, I will say, like, they seem to be using him and the Miz a whole lot for their um, marketing. You know, crossover types of things. First, it was Bad Bunny. Now it's this Dave Batista thing, or, or this um, Army of the Dead thing. So, I mean, it shows a level of trust in both he and the Miz. Then they announced next month will be Hell in a Cell on June the twentieth. So they are moving Hell in a Cell up from the usual month of October uh, to June, and pushing Money in the Bank back to some other point. Yeah. So. I don't know what matches you're going to go to Hell in a Cell with next month. I mean, this was... The zombie thing would have been great in a Hell in a Cell. Imagine being in a Hell in a Cell with zombies. Um, kind of defeats the purpose of being in a cell, but sure. Um, they could escalate to that. You don't have really anything... You're pretty much starting from scratch for a Roman feud. And I guess you can go to Lashley and Drew in a Hell in a Cell. We could do that, yeah. I mean, we could have something involving Jimmy Uso uh, and Roman, potentially. So, yeah, we'll see. Whatever the main event is supposed to be, they'll put it in the cell, and you'll have your pay-per-view. Well, that's it. I don't think you have any programs that are ready for a Hell in a Cell. It's just June is Hell in a Cell month, and we're going to put our top feuds inside of a cell just because. Yeah, that's usually the case. Again, Jimmy is with Jay and asked what he'll do when Reigns loses the title. And he said the locker room door should read Roman Reigns and his bitch. Dude, Jimmy's a bit of an asshole. Is he, though? Come on. He's just trying to wake his brother up from this kind of uh, uh, subservient slumber. Is this going to wake him up? Just reminding him? Like, the guy's literally made a t-shirt inferring that I'm not a bitch. Can you say the same? Listen, he is a marketer as well, okay? He knows, like, he's like, hey, the word bitch, like, that's pretty hot right now in 2021. I'm gonna take it over. Um, so yeah, he Shit, Jimmy, like, you didn't wrestle all last year. You made your downside. I mean, you're in a pretty bad spot if you're not linked with me and Roman. Like, you're, you're gonna be on main event too. So, wake up. Well, he is involved. He's like, he, he wants to be opposed. You see, he wants his singles match with Roman. He saw what Jay accomplished in the singles match. He wants to maximize this. So he's getting the singles match out of Roman and then the tag team. And then, you know, maybe, maybe a bit more later. He's booking long term for himself. Yeah. Bianca Belair and Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. 
Dude, I'm serious. I, I couldn't even get into like the first half of this coming on. Like having to follow the zombie stuff, I was just totally taken out of the beginning of this match. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a transition. Yeah. Belair teased whipping her ponytail, but resisted and told Bailey not to touch her hair. So they're going back and forth. Belair lost her cool and attacked Bailey with a series of strikes. And we do have a name for Bailey's finisher, the Rose Plant. The the Snapmare Driver? Yes. The Rose Plant. Okay. What is that supposed to mean? Um, What's a Rose Plant? I don't know. And what does it have to do with Bailey? I'm just relaying the name of the move. Rose Plant. Yeah. Like a rose? Like an actual rose? That's a plant? Could be like he's she's a gardener like she plants she's planting a rose like the act of doing this. Well, she's planting someone's head into the mat, so you you have that. Why rose? Um, why not a rose? Okay, somebody's telling me her middle name is Rose. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> <laughs> is that a reason to name your finisher? <laughs> her name is Pamela Rose Martinez. All right, cool. So you would have the William Driver. The William Driver. Yeah. Why do you call it that? My middle name, <laughs> William. Yeah, mine would be the the Chung Suplex. <laughs> they go to the floor. Belair was sent into the post face first, and then Bailey goes for a dive, and Belair is out of the way, so Bailey just crashes to her death here on the floor. Bailey starts arguing with the referee after using the rope for leverage and then gouges Belair's eye, who sells it huge. Bailey takes the braid of Belair and uses it to twist Belair around into the Bailey to Belly, which was a fantastic near fall. It was a great setup, great near fall. Then we continued with the braid, and Bailey wrapped it around Belair to attempt the rose plant, but it gets countered. And the idea was Belair was going to use her braid to tie Bailey's legs for the pin. Unfortunately, the braid forgot its spot and totally messed this up. And they had it was just a messy finish. Belair, this was the ending. Sixteen minutes and five seconds. Uh, it took me a while to get into this one because of what they had to follow. Uh, literally livened me up after seeing the zombies, and then. It really got going. And then the final few minutes, I thought they were really clicking. Finish just got messed up, unfortunately. Yeah, she seemed to lose grip of the of the braid at the end there. So I feel like it looked decent enough that they can justify whatever story that they're trying to do here. Because after the match, you had Bailey complain about the finish. She'll probably complain about, you know, this weapon being used uh, legally uh, to build to a rematch. I think they could still get away with it. Mm. Time for a hell in a cell. It's time. It's time. It's escalated. <laughs> a hair in a cell. A cell made out of hair. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe maybe Bailey's growing that hair. Her hair is like growing out and stuff. She's got it all frizzy. Maybe, maybe we're building to a hair match. Oh, that'd be great. Are you kidding they, me? They couldn't do it last year with Mandy and, and Sonya Deville. Maybe. Bailey's kind of part way there. You know, she cut her hair, her ponytail off. She's been shaving more and more of it every single week. So I think she's just got a little bit of a ways to go and... I'm sure she'd hair. go for it too. I'm sure she would. She would shave her head for the. You know, a hair versus hair match. I almost feel like it's too big of a stipulation for Bianca Belair to do at a Hell in a Cell. That's something you say for a WrestleMania. No, no. I, you say I would. I would hold that off to maybe like SummerSlam or something. But what a what a perfect stipulation for her. You know, 
the threat of Bianca getting her hair cut. I love it. Um, I thought technically this match was fine, but yeah, I, I, for some reason I couldn't get really connected into it either. I don't know if it was the zombies or, <laughs> or, um, it was, was way, something else. don't give them such a pass here. <laughs> it ruined a portion of this show. You know, some, something that I really felt miss, was missing in this match, obviously you can't really compare this to the, the, the Sasha match because you did not have a, a quarter of the atmosphere of that one for historical context. Dude, they were going nuts. They were yelling EST, didn't you hear? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> this was a really, like, lively uh, computer. Computer. <laughs> computer, yeah. Uh, so it didn't really match that, but I, I feel like the match itself were, was kind of missing some of your, like, super strength spots from Bianca Belair that I thought really showcased what was special about her in that WrestleMania match. You know, like the spot of her like walking up the steps with with, with Sasha on her shoulder. I kind of wanted to see a few more of those. Instead, Bianca just kind of felt felt like was just kind of playing your generic underdog here that really anybody could have played, you know, who was capable enough. Nothing that specifically said, okay, this person is special. Kevin Patrick interviewed MVP. They talked about the dynamic of a triple threat match. Yes, someone is at a disadvantage, primarily the champion. Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman for the championship. These three came out, and it was pretty much go, go, go for almost 15 minutes. McIntyre reluctantly worked with Lashley for a double-team vertical suplex on Braun, and then Strowman comes back, and he comes off the apron, and crashes through these two on the floor and rotated himself over. Yeah, he almost landed on his head. Yeah, Tope Con Strowman here. Toke Braun Strowman. Yes, nice. Very good. Very good. Strowman blocked the hurt lock. McIntyre comes off with a cross body. Like, these were big dudes doing a lot of dangerous stuff uh, with one another. Lashley drives Drew into the post on the floor, and then Strowman attacks Lashley with steps. And then Braun is sent into the zombie um, graveyard with a claymore. Very dangerous when you go over that barricade. I I think they're like the rule with the zombies is if you get bitten by a zombie, you turn into a zombie. So I have to imagine both Miz and Morrison are going to be zombies now. Great. This point forward. Awesome. That's great. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Lashley fought onto the stage and Lashley was thrown into the set with an explosion going off, which was so lethal, he disappeared. Yeah, Burns. Drew's checking on him like he's gone. He's just gone into thin air. So I'll tell you what, okay? At least the explosion went off. And like after seeing a couple of like pretty eh, eh, sketchy, not so great stunts on AEW thus far, I have like appreciation for WWE even like pulling off something like this and making it look, you know, timed well and making it look good on TV. So Strowman and McIntyre left in the ring. McIntyre busted out a Michinoku driver. Then the Strowman Express gets stopped when Drew holds on to him for a belly to belly and Strowman, holy Christ, this dude should not be taking belly to bellies on any regularity. This is pretty nuts to get this guy over as he did. You know, like they were, they, as you often have the case now with like these sort of like super heavyweights, um, who are so incredibly athletic, they kind of came out here and, and they wanted to have like a cruiserweight type of match, or at least, you know, um, cruiserweight match. 
man, wow, on fire today. Um, so like they're able to do a lot of spots that they usually wouldn't be able to do with smaller opponents. And that I thought made the match special. So Strowman, after this belly to belly catches drew and power bombs him through the desk inside the ring. McIntyre recovers, uh, with these guys were just on special for the whole match. They just recovered from this McIntyre hits a claymore, but then poof Lashley's back. He throws McIntyre to the floor and hits Strowman with a spear and he pins Braun in 14 minutes and 17 seconds. This match was you and your buddies playing like with four controllers and just mashing every fucking button for all it's worth and just destroying one another. And it was super entertaining. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. You know, uh, like we've seen this type of stuff from like heavyweight combinations that. I mean, I think more, you know, very famously with like the Brock Lesnar style of matches, you just kind of come in here and you sprint and you just kind of like spam finishers. This wasn't exactly like that, but the pace was kept up really well. And, you know, with an added dynamic of it being a three-way, again, going into this match, I was not excited about it at all. In fact, like the three-way stipulation, I thought, eh, just kind of took my interest out of it. But in execution, they, I felt, delivered something that was very unique and tremendously entertaining. They made Braun look really good here by having two of them, Bobby and and Drew, constantly have to team up to face him. Braun, I thought, was kind of like at his best, like when he's just playing monster, doing crazy shit, like jumping off of aprons and delivering sentons and and things like that. So despite him taking the pin, I thought he looked very special in this match. But I don't know where you really go with him. But um, yeah, we seems like this is building up to a Bobby and Drew rematch. I think that's probably a Hell in a Cell match, I would think. Like, something mm-hmm. should be on the line. I mean, the thing is, like, it was a pretty pretty conclusive end at WrestleMania. And I wouldn't say... I was at least open-minded to the finish at WrestleMania, but I can't say they came out of it and re- and really, really capitalized on it at all. Like, with Drew kind of selling that loss, it was almost as though they just moved on from it. Um so, I mean, you could just put some stipulation right down to it's Drew's last chance at the title or something of that nature. But that does seem to be where, where they, I think with both three ways for, for the Raw titles, it was the idea of building the singles matches out of these triple threats. I think Bobby is like still really hot right now, or at least like he feels like he has more to accomplish with this title reign that I'm almost hesitant, hesitant to do the rematch with Drew because I don't. Really, I, I don't see Drew. them being Drew again. I think if yeah. if it's him and Drew in a Hell in a Cell, unless you're going to do some really wonky finish to send Drew off into another feud, um, I think he's got to win uh, at that point. I think so. The too. thing is with Hell in a Cell, I don't think people view it as this match that's the be all end all. Like you can do, you, you can have people show up. You, you can you can book your way out of a Hell in a Cell, which wasn't always the case when it meant more. I guess the other question is, who else is there right now on Raw that you could put into this main event mix? Well, Randy's, Randy's in a tag team, you know, like, who else is there? I guess uh, the Fiend. AJ's in a tag team. I mean, you've you've got, you know, it, it's very slim pickings when it comes to the babyface options for Bobby Lashley. Then Roman Reigns was in the back and left Jey Uso in the back telling him, go find your brother. So Roman was out with Heyman, and we get Roman Reigns and Sorrow closing the show for the WWE Championship. Uh, Pat McAfee's audio was a mess at the beginning, so they had to clean that up. 
And Cesaro got the early advantage, but then Reigns went after Cesaro's right arm, and this became the focus throughout the match, attacking the arm, driving it into the post, and constantly going back to this. Cesaro was going for the sharpshooter numerous times before he would finally get it late in the match, uh, but Reigns would continue attacking the arm. He used a drive-by, sending Cesaro's shoulder into the post, and then attacking it repeatedly, and and Cesaro just hits him back with a discus lariat that further damages the arm, but takes down Reigns. Uh, Cesaro's fire was incredible in this match. Th- this guy wrestled, both of them had a tre- tremendous match, but this was um, an unbelievable performance by Cesaro. As we expect, yeah. Cesaro could not hit the neutralizer because of the arm, so Reigns goes to a Fujiwara armbar. Cesaro is able to counter out and flies off the middle rope with a corkscrew uppercut attempt that is met in midair with a Superman punch. Reigns puts on the guillotine, and Cesaro stands up, slams himself free. He goes for the sharpshooter. It's applied, but the legs slip out from his from his bad arm, and he's just holding on to the, the legs of Reigns, and then transitions to the crossface. Reigns breaks free. He's on top, dropping strikes, and then Reigns uses an alligator roll, to get to the guillotine, Cesaro lifts him up. He tries to slam Reigns, but again, the guillotine is in tight. Cesaro tries to break the grip, can't escape, and he eventually goes out at 27 minutes and 30 seconds. This was spectacular. It was a great match. Really well-told body part story with the shoulder here. Um, I thought Roman continues to show that he can deliver these very... Uh, lengthy and very technical matches um especially of course you know with opponents like daniel bryan and opponents like cesaro but i feel like this just kind of adds to the excellent 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 roman reigns championship run that we've had uh over the past several months and for cesaro you know this is a a, a, to me he didn't really prove anything that we didn't already know okay the guy can have a really good like how long was this john 20 minutes 27 and a half minutes he could have a great 30 minute match. Yeah, it's no secret. Um, and I think that was the entire reason why we had this push to begin with. It was like for this moment, him being able to headline a show with a great 30 minute match. The question is, do they see enough in him to continue him in this spot? Um, not just as an in-ring performer, of course, but as somebody that they can see eventually holding the championship. I'll reserve this this one uh, time uh, for this show. This is the had there been a live crowd match. I think in an arena, this probably tears the house down and Cesaro is made at a totally different level. Absolutely. Like the Daniel Bryan type of like sentiment of like the audience really getting behind somebody is something that Cesaro would greatly benefit from that you would expect might might occur in a in a situation like this. Dan- Daniel uh, Bryan doesn't happen in a pandemic. Very good point. Yeah. Uh, also important to know this was a totally clean finish. No Uso's no Uso involvement at all. That's right. They saved all that for afterwards and there was a lot in the post match. Cesaro is selling. He one thing it might have been lost on people, but he sold where, and you see this all the time when a guy gets choked out, he's out cold from the guillotine. And then as he regains consciousness, it's like he's shocked. He doesn't know what's going on. It was, they didn't pay attention to it, but it was fantastic. Fantastic, mm-hmm. realistic selling of a choke. If you've ever been choked out, yep. Jay Uso comes down 
and he super kicks Cesaro, and pretty much he's showing off for Big Brother here. And then Seth Rollins comes down. He's got to ditch these suits. The suits, somebody, like, he thinks, man, I'm such a great heel with these suits. They're fucking terrible. Just stop the suit gimmick. It's awful. Isn't that the Probably. point? No, it just, it makes him look like a clown. And he's not supposed to be a clown. Not in this role. What is he supposed to be? Right a now? heel. He's supposed to be a top heel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's his thing right He looks now. like he's going to a children's birthday party to fucking make balloon animals. Maybe he he's going to do that. Well, Maybe it's going to be part of the gimmick. Well, that's the only pop he's going to hear. Seth <laughs> comes out and he confronts Roman. And this was nice. They had like a serious face-to-face before Rollins just smiles and goes to attack Cesaro. So they're certainly planting those seeds for Reigns and Rollins at some point down the road. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, and as a team or as a as a uh, match? Because I, mean, I, I, much- I think you can get both out of them. But I think ultimately that is that is a singles match down the road. I really want to see the team up first, but yes, um, like a, a mini shield reunion, just, you know, with the story based, based off of their entire history, I think would be really good. Um, now, does that fit in with the whole Jimmy Uso thing? Maybe it does, especially if they're going for the tag team titles, but, um, well, and again, like it's, it's a very, like, who do you have for Roman Reigns? Like that's going to speed things up. Uh, mm-hmm. Rollins attacks Cesaro's arm with a chair, including wrapping the arm inside the chair and drilling it into the post before laying him out with the stomp. So it looks like we're going to revisit this feud. Like, this was not building to Cesaro getting another match with Reigns. It's, we're going back to the well of Rollins and Cesaro. That just feels like, man, we were there, and we did the feud, we did Mania, we did the TV blow-off, and mm-hmm. we're going back to it again. I, I didn't really understand this, you know? Like, you spend all this time on Cesaro to try to get him up to this to this level. We, it, has, it is definitive that he is able to beat Seth Rollins. So for, for them to go back to this, I can't really imagine the reason why, unless it is for Rollins to get his win, to put Rollins back up on that certain level, which I think would be disappointing because you waste a lot of that work. It's not a match I'm looking forward to again. It's a good match, yeah, but I've already seen it two times. Um, not really thr- thrilled by the feud itself. So, uh, I, I imagine maybe it, you build to a TV ma- main event, but like, um, for another pay-per-view cycle, it's a little much. Hell in a cell. It's time. Hell in a cell. Guess. All hell in a cell matches in June. Top to bottom. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with zombies. With zombies. I hesitate to give this show a thumbs up because of, um, one of the worst segments in company history. Uh, but I really love the format of this show where it was six matches plus one on the kickoff, three hours. The relevant matches got more than enough time. Uh, and, and it wasn't a bad thing either. Like, I didn't feel any of the matches dragged. Priest and Miz, thankfully, only went six and a half minutes. But, man, those last two title matches were spectacular. Um the women's three-way, I thought, was was very well done. I thought the SmackDown tag title match was very well done. It was, this, was a, this was a very good show, save for a wretched, wretched segment. I think this pay-per-view follows a very similar story to all the other WWE pay-per-views. The bill is usually weak to very terrible. I had very low anticipation for this match on paper. None of the matches really sounded that interesting to me. But in ring, it was a very solid show. 
Um, and you know, if you're one of those WWE fans at this point who only watches the pay-per-views, I think you'll get great enjoyment out of this. There were some very good three-way matches, a fantastic main event with Rollins or sorry, uh, Reigns and, and Cesaro. And you know what? For the spectacle and for the discussion, watch the stupid zombie thing. You might actually like it. All right. Well, let's uh, go to the forum. And tonight's show got a 5.56 out of 10. Uh, everybody who's in the Zoom room right now, we want to thank all Double Double Ice Crap and Espresso patrons who tune in live every pay-per-view for our live post shows. So if you guys have anything to say, raise your hands right now. We can get to some of your calls uh, before the end of the show. Uh, would you like to do that first, John? Maybe we start off from uh, Rory. Rory, how are you doing? What did you think of WrestleMania Backlash? Um, well, I'm just going to focus on the, uh, I'm not going to focus on the zombie match, like, cause, uh, yeah, that was a bit too much for me. That was just like, why? Um, uh, but like for me, I am still so surprised that they're like giving Bobby this run. I was so surprised that he retained tonight. Like that was the biggest surprise to me, uh, all up, um, well, I tell you, they had me a little bit. They had me a little bit with Cesaro. Like there was a time there where the the, the hope spots they were just so so well done that I was just like, no, no, they're not going to swerve us like this. Are they? They're not going to like really really give it to them. Uh, but like all up, it was a like yeah. Second half was fantastic. Um, the 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 triple threat for the Raw women's match. No, no, just wasn't invested in it to begin with. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, the, the, the last two matches were, were so, so good. Were so, so amazing. And I, I do hope they, they look at Cesaro and don't just go back to Rollins. I do hope that they, uh, I, I know the IC title will be a bit of a, like a bit of a knockdown back to, back to their usual sort of, uh, rigmarole, but like, uh, I just like, they're going to give him something. I, I just hope they give him something worthwhile and uh, maybe down the road, maybe, maybe towards the end of the year. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. But so uh, yeah, all, all in all, not, not a bad show. All right. Well, thanks Roy. Thanks for the call. Um, appreciate, appreciate the thoughts. Let's go up next to Nick. Nick, what did you think of backlash? What's going on guys? Happy hey, Sunday. Happy um, Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was, I, completely agree with everything you guys said i thought this show really delivered on the in-ring following a pretty lackluster build that i wasn't super invested in um the cesaro and reigns match was just so spectacular and i was talking with one of my friends on a zoom that we were having to watch this show just if roman since we it's pretty clear that roman is going to keep this title for the foreseeable future probably into next year just like if he can keep this run going and elevating people the likes of cesaro and i know kevin owens is already in the main event scene tangentially but just having like quality main event three quality main event matches with him in a row amazing main events with edge and daniel bryan etc etc just how like in the pan where he's going to go down and just like the pantheon of great wrestling champions you know when this run with paul Heyman is all said and done and like the just some of the technical wrestling in that match and the selling was incredible from cesaro like my shoulder hurt by osmosis <laughs> watching that match um i I, the zombie thing i didn't find it to be like super offensive i can understand why people really disliked it i just thought it was kind of there as a clear promo for a movie i don't know i I, it was it was definitely did not belong on like a wwe pay-per-view 
but I also just like I was just like okay I can kind of tune out and do something else not watch this and come back and resume following it but I, I can understand why some people would have leave it would leave a bad taste in some people's mouths um I have a sad admission to make on the Seth Rollins front and that is that I own the shirt that he was wearing today and then there was another suit that he has I think it's like the green one that I actually own and so on behalf of all of the uh, the odd suit wearers in the world, myself and Seth Rollins, I want to apologize because I would never in a million years wear those suits on TV, especially if I was a dastardly heel like Seth is. Uh, my question is, I was it, was it was interesting watching the video package for the Roman and Cesaro match. And it was weird because Cesaro wasn't really like featured in it. It was mostly a video package for the Jimmy Uso and Jey Uso story. So I wonder if you think at Hell in a Cell, we're going to get Roman versus the second Uso brother in Jimmy and where you guys think that story could go, you know, jettisoning off uh, a Jimmy Roman feud on, on SmackDown. It's as viable an opponent as anyone else because there are no other options. I Tonight was not designed to be a follow-up with Cesaro. I think that was pretty clear by the end of it. And Jimmy Uso is your... I mean, you have you have four weeks till your next pay-per-view, so I could certainly see that being the only option you have for Roman Reigns unless there's some uh, choice out of left field that isn't isn't apparent. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it plays well off of the prior program that uh, Jimmy and or sorry Jay and Roman had, um, and. You know, it's it's just it'll be a storytelling match, and with the the family ties, I think it immediately you know warrants maybe a bigger stipulation. So they can really put anything there, um, and I think that's just as good of a choice as any. Yeah, I think there'd be kind of a perfect symmetry to it. You do one brother at one Hell in a Cell, another brother at the other Hell in a Cell. Anyways, thanks guys, amazing show as always. Appreciate thanks, you. Nick. No shame in the suits, Nick. Okay, what whatever you <laughs> Thank want. you, I appreciate it. Everyone makes mistakes. <laughs> Let's go to Hanzi. Hanzi, how'd you like Backlash? Sorry, oh. Han- Hanzi, Hanzi. <laughs> yeah. no, uh, you know, I, 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 I thought it was a, a really fun pay-per-view other than, I, I listen, as much as bad as, like, you know, the uh, um, the zombie thing was, I got to say, the, uh, um, uh, what, what's his name? Corey Gray was on, was in rare form and during that match, at least, because at least, I, I laughed at a couple of the lines. Like he made some Walking Dead references, and he told Batista not to bring his friends to the next WWE event and all that. I, I thought that was kind of funny, but I don't know, man. I don't know how you really uh, explain that. I just think Priest. I don't know. It's just like he got a bad bunny rub, and now he's like doing this stuff. So I don't know if he's in a better position. I just kind of, I just want Miz and Morrison to kind of just break up and have a feud themselves a little, little bit. But as far as everything else, man, I thought like the storytelling in in this pay per view was really really good. I thought the uh, the Dominic stuff that like I just wish the tag division was more prioritized a lot better um, than you know and like how other companies are. But everything else, man, Cesaro and Reigns that's probably like, one of my favorite matches of the year, man. That was like. As a Cesaro fan, like that was probably like a really, really crazy match, and I like that uh, no one got involved. I thought there was going to be like some uh, funny business, and I, and I agree with Nick. I was going to say this myself that uh, that I, with them bringing Hell in the Cell back, that's probably a good way to either have Reigns versus Jimmy, or maybe with a, because since Jimmy is kind of it, it, they kind of insulting Jay. 
I think maybe more it will probably be Jimmy or Jay maybe, but I, I would be down for Roman and uh, uh, Roman and, and Jimmy feud because I did that, that would tie everything together. And uh, that's basically all I had, man. Thank you for guys for doing the show, man. It was, it was a pretty fun show. Thanks, Andy. You know, I mean, you know, it, like it, Sorry, it also go goes. I mean, the fact is, like, they're they're making this conscious decision to move Hell in a Cell, so it's obviously being done for a reason. You would assume, like, there's there was a thought in place that would require this. Um, so maybe that will be played out this week, and that that would be the program that you would associate it with. Do you, do you find it interesting that um, they aren't saving Hell in a Cell for potentially when they open back up to fans, and instead potentially maybe? delaying money in the bank to a period where they might have fans? No, I, I really don't look at any of these stipulation matches. I mean, any to me, any show would be better with fans. I don't think it's such a terrible thing that it's not. I mean, at, at the same time, like you're still just in the infancy on Peacock. Like you're trying to do big shows that are going to grab people. Like look at the marketing of tonight's show, WrestleMania Backlash. Like what are we going to come back with next month? What's a big thing? Back, uh, Hell in a Cell. I think that's probably part Money of the, the banking too, though. Yeah, but you don't have to do uh, Money in the Bank immediately. Um, it's I, I don't think it's one where, I mean, Hell in a Cell, you could honestly argue it, as a spectator, I, I think it's actually a hint. Like, would you want to go live to see a Hell in a Cell? Like, it's not the easiest show that you want to watch through those th- those red bars for the whole. Yeah, but it's but matches. it's yeah, but it's a spectacle of seeing that thing in person. You you John, you just recently talked about the Triple H Undertaker Hell in a Cell being one of your favorite experiences live. So it's a spectacle, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I do wonder maybe what what was the thinking behind pushing this one or swapping this one? Uh, just on the Damien Priest note, I really don't see as any see this tonight as any sort of demotion. I think it continues to show that they have a lot of faith in him to do something that is important to the company, like a cross promotional thing, like you saw tonight. It it would be a demotion if he was on the kickoff, if he was not on this pay per view at all, or in just a meaningless match. Instead, I would say he was in a pretty prominent match. I, I don't think it's a. It, I wouldn't interpret it at all as a demotion uh, to your point. I just don't think it's um, I, I just don't think it's um, he's in a spot right now where you, you take him in a very significant light. And, you know, you look at the names like he would be one near the top of the list of someone that would be on the cusp of being programmed with a Bobby Lashley. If you need uh, baby faces again, like this is not like make or break anymore in 2021, you can do this kind of shit. And I, I think it's it's fun to shit on this stuff, but I honestly don't think like the days of like this is going to cause any kind of massive uh, change. I I I don't think even like people look at characters as like there's any death character anymore, any gimmick gimmick that is a total killer. It's like everyone kind of is at this this level. It's very few that get to any kind of higher superstar level. Uh, where this stuff would kind of make a difference. Let's go up next to Brandon. Oh, whoops. Wait a second. I think I hit the wrong button here. Brandon from New Jersey. Are you there? I am. How are you? Almost lost you there, Brandon. How you doing? Uh, all good. Uh, is, this a ra- is this a ransom note that you're trying to like call in here? Are you like, <laughs> you, like covering you the mean? receiver? I, no, I don't know why. 
You sound okay. muffled. Are you like? It sounds like you're on AM radio right now, and I don't, I don't have, have a great signal. Okay. Is that a problem? Okay. Right. I couldn't find them. I, I, I misplaced them. <laughs> I think they're in my car. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I thought the last, I thought the main event was awesome. Uh, last two matches. Uh, uh question uh, about Rollins' suit game. Uh, you think he should uh follow around Corey Graves since he's a snappier dresser? Like they should like do like the the William Regal uh. Uh, type of gimmick where they take him to different to dress him up in <laughs> different suits to make him look better than that garish suit that garish affliction like suit he was wearing tonight. Yeah, maybe he could uh, trade tips with Reginald. That's right. Um, well, what do you? So you think that Cesaro is gonna stay in the main event game? I I I, I hope so. I thought he he looked he looked awesome in this match in that match. Uh, it'd be disappointing if he. Uh, it's kind of uh, relegated a little bit. I mean, I, I don't mind him feuding with Rollins and whatnot, but uh, uh, he looked he looked he looked kind of dope tonight. He was yeah, fantastic I... tonight, but I mean, unless there that would have been quite the waste of an angle if he's not doing anything with Rollins after. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't think he could have performed any better. But I I think you can look at the whole lead up of the past four weeks. It's like he was our challenger of the month who we're going to set up for Roman, but never once uh, did I feel like this is the guy that we are pushing at a special level. I mean, he was, he was pushed to a degree over the last four weeks and got his pay-per-view match. And I I think that's, I I don't think that this is necessarily some like coronation Um, as way said, like he did tonight, what, People are aware of this guy being able to do the last nine years he's been on the main roster. I feel they've successfully elevated him maybe from like, you know, uh, tag team, like perennial tag team wrestler level to maybe a Kevin Owens level now where you can, you know, justify him being constantly kind of being pushed into like the IC title mix, maybe TV main event level mix. But I don't see him as a contender for the championship as long as Roman is around. Because number one, they've already told the story. Uh, and two, I feel like there were struggles in trying to push Cesaro in their WWE TV way throughout these couple months. They've had to rely on people like Rollins to do the bulk of the talking. Even these past few weeks, they've had to rely on like Jimmy Uso and that storyline to really kind of carry the show with Cesaro just kind of being there as sort of a promise that, hey, you're going to see a great match at the end of this month. Uh, and I don't think that's enough for somebody for a championship reign in there. Remember arms. that? Remember that one night they fell in love with the UFO and reminded us over and over and over again. What the fuck happened to that? You're absolutely right. Yeah. What the? Why didn't we see the UFO tonight? What was the point of reminding us about the UFO that entire time? I don't know. They did such a great job coming off of WrestleMania, showing you all those clips of the UFO to expect it. Like maybe not every match, but like tonight, for instance, uh, nothing. Like I totally forgot about that. You're right. Awesome. It's 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 you you know it is uh, unidentified I guess. It was a swing and a mess from them, right? Oh, get off, get off, get out of here! Bye, Brandon. I love you guys. That was actually pretty good. Let's go to the forum right now, and uh, we'll start off with Aaron from Brampton. I'll start things off, John. Aaron says that main event was incredible. As for Roman, he has to be the best thing we've seen in pro wrestling in years. I hope Kenny Omega was watching and taking notes on what a real main event heel looks like based on the finish of the show. Can you guys see Seth and Roman having a two-man power trip type of story? Uh, I, I think you can tease 
like you can go in different directions, but I, I think, yeah, you could do the subtle alliance and eventually, like, again, you, you need opponents for Roman. Like, if you uh, want this title reign to go long, it's, man, it's, it's pretty slim pickings right now on SmackDown. So, yes, it is. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking at a big opponent for SummerSlam, potentially in, in front of people, um, that's, as big a match as you can make right now on SmackDown, given who your roster is comprised of. They have the time if they want to do the Rollins turn, but I mean, as a character, he feels so far away right now, but it definitely it's uh, by the time Roman's done. I definitely think you have to get to that match. Be from New York, excluding the sponsored content. This felt like every single match went above and beyond expectations across the board. Would you agree with that? Uh, went above and beyond. Yeah, I would say so. Cause I had I very would... low expectations. I would say that, except for um, I would say Belair and Bailey underperformed. Sure. Looking towards the main event, we knew how it would end, but it was great getting to see Cesaro have his one-on-one moment in the sun. That said, moving forward, if we're heading towards Reigns Uso Redux at Hell in a Cell, consider me excited. And don't worry, everyone. I hear the four-hour Snyder cut of the zombie lumberjack match is incredible. We got a counterparts who said, or Rich and East Selkirk who says, okay, the Spaghetti Western rating system is back for this one. The good. Most of the in-ring tonight. Even the Lashley Braun Drew match was over-delivered, but the best match was a Cesaro Roman bout. Major props to Bianca Bailey after, well, the bad. Just the fact that TV is going to, to range from horrible to passable going to hell in a cell. And the ugly... The Lumberjack match. Or as I thought, the worst thing I've seen on a show this year. To paraphrase the classic comic series, Transmetropolitan, the word fuck typed 10,000 times. That was my reaction to the whole match. A total embarrassment. On the whole, other than that, stuff at the bottom of the grocery store compactor of a match, a relatively okay show. A 7 out of 10. Guillaume from Laval. I was really looking forward to Reigns and Cesaro. It delivered and exceeded my expectations. I'm happy to see Ricochet back to Raw. I hope he will continue this feud with Sheamus until Hell in a Cell. But does that mean Umberto Carrillo's injury is more... I wouldn't read too much into a kickoff match, uh, really. Um, there was, you know, with uh, tomorrow, like, I would uh, I would assume we'll get an update on Carrillo tomorrow. But, I mean, at least as of, like, Monday night, like, he was said to be, like, okay once he got to the back. Which of the upcoming movies of 2021 do you see WWE partner, partnering with? For example, A Quiet Place 2, where the wrestler can't make any sounds, or West Side Story, where wrestlers perform in a musical type of match. Oh, man, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Um, what, what's coming out? Maybe, um... Uh... I don't even know what's coming out. Uh, what what's the next Marvel film? Black Widow. Tough to do a tie-in with that one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no. Zombies just—I guess it's so obvious. Um, yeah, it's so obvious. Like, yeah, yeah. Of course, we can you do, do a match. we can do a whole match for okay. Army of the Dead. Everybody in the chat room is saying F nine with cars. Yeah, car match, you know, um, garage match, that type of thing. Yeah, sounds awesome. <laughs> Finally, Kate, 
from Montreal or Kate from Montreal, who did a great job joining me on SmackDown this past week. WWE's lower tier pay-per-views always seem to over-deliver. While this won't go down as a classic, I think that there was some enjoyable stuff. I really liked both of the triple threat matches for how energetic they were, and I thought both had good moments of creativity to get to their finales. Even though it was clear who was taking the pin in both, I don't feel like any of the participants looked weak. The tag match was fine, but I never felt engaged with the story. It was a nice moment for Ray, at least. Bailey and Bianca had a good match, albeit with a weird ending. I suspect we'll see them back at Hell in a Cell, along with Lashley Drew and Rick Charlotte, Charlotte and Rhea. I was hoping that Cesaro would be allowed to shine a little more than he did, but he did a great job of playing the resilient hero who would just not back down. I thought it was the right call to not have him hit the swing because it kept things serious. Given that the ending was pretty much a foregone conclusion and that Cesaro didn't ever feel like a viable threat, I thought that the main event was a bit long, but I can't blame WWE for maximizing the time. There is a part of me that wouldn't mind seeing Seth and Roman feuding while they're both playing variations of the man who thinks he is more interesting and important than he actually is, but I don't think it would work over weeks of TV. And that is definitely everything that happened on Backlash. Nothing else. Correction. The first... The first non-WrestleMania pay-per-view to have WrestleMania in its name. It's monumental night, yes. A huge night in the history. All right, well, thanks, everybody. Hey, before we go, uh, first of all, the schedule this week. What's coming up, John? Uh, that's a good question. On this week's schedule, we've got uh, a review coming out of TNA Unbreakable 2005 that I still have to watch. Yeah, that is, of course, Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels. I mean, what a week to talk about Christopher Daniels' most famous match. So join us as we talk about some TNA from 2005 on Rewind Away this Friday. Um, Also, it's the return of the wellness policy. And it'll be me, Jordan Goodman, and we'll be joined by a graffiti artist named David Speed, and some of you may remember him from um, this wonderful mural of Brody Lee that popped up all over the internet shortly after his passing. Uh, he does some incredible work, and he'll be joining us to talk about creativity. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that conversation with Jordan. That'll be Thursday at 3 p.m. as always. And then we've got all of our regular shows uh, coming out. We'll be live Monday night after Raw at 11.15 Eastern after Dynamite on Wednesday and Friday for SmackDown. There will also be a post-pro-res next Sunday with WH Park, who will be joined by Dylan Fox on the program, so you can look forward to that. And all of this can be found at postwrestling.com. You know, because uh, I feel like we have a bit more time. Did you want to share any thoughts on some of the things that you didn't get to speak on, whether it be like uh, Nick Gage or, or New Jack or anything else? Um. I mean, the Nick Gage documentary I found to be like it, w- it was interesting to see both of those characters kind of um, in the spotlight over the span of 24 hours and looking at them. Uh, I thought the Nick Gage documentary was, you know, I, I thought they got a lot out of this this one individual. And it was a episode of Dark Side of the Ring that did not have, you know, like a giant list of interview subjects in it. Like it was it was a relatively small number uh, that they had in this. And I thought that Nick Gage come, came across as somebody that I think you, the viewer, you're probably rooting for this guy. It was like a really kind of sobering note at the end where he's kind of looking at his own mortality and how long he's going to be around. Um, while at the same time, I think you can look at, you know, some of like 
the way that David Arquette match goes down. And I think that that's, that's one of those things where, you know, and you can cross this over to new Jack as well is like that. No matter what type of professional wrestling you're talking about, like there is the trust that unifies it. And you can certainly look at it being broken in, in, in that particular match with, with David Arquette, where he went in with, you know, one request of don't cut me. And that was, that was not adhered to. Um, and, you know, you look over at New Jack. I mean, he is someone that I think it's people can recognize this was an unbelievably charismatic individual who was a phenomenal promo, but somebody that also represented so much stuff you don't want part of professional wrestling that was you can't glorify. It's like he was involved in some of the some of the most horrible things um, of the past 30 years in professional wrestling with some of the incidents like with Eric Kulos and you know, you, you look at those incidents and it's, it becomes like a very difficult individual to kind of break down like the good and the bad. But I think you, I, I think in light of his loss, like you look at just what an unbelievable presence that this individual had that you, when you're comparing Nick Gage or Nick or New Jack, I think John Moxley summarized it really well. It's that all of this stuff that people do, whether it whether you're a guy that is trying to do the most spectacular moves or be a better promo or whatever it is, it's to forge that connection with your audience. Like that is the end game, and you can do it in front of 300 people. You can do it with 30,000 people, but there was especially with Nick Gage, like this endearing quality of somebody that pretty much has put his life out there for everybody to examine and see. And many of who have some unbelievable stories of him in person at these shows of just what a, what uh, an admirable individual that this guy has been. Um, and maybe an unlikely source of, of a lot of that uh, for people. So it's, He's a very interesting figure, I think, in professional wrestling. But I think John Moxley like really hit it on the head. It's that this guy, he is not on national television every week. But when you see some of his performances at those GCW shows, like it is, it is pretty striking to hear like that audience that lives and dies with this guy uh, because of that realness that that comes with him, um, the good and the bad. And uh, if people want to hear more of John's detailed thoughts about that documentary, he uh, did write a lengthy article about it at postwrestling.com. So do check that out. All right. That's going to wrap things up, but we will be back on Monday night following Raw, 1115 Eastern for Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Thanks to everybody that joined us live tonight. And that's going to wrap it up for us. And that concludes our post show of WrestleMania 